It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's going on everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. Today we're going to be talking about being chief and we're going to be talking to business expert Rick Miller. Rick is also a author and a speaker. Uh, he has over 30 years of experience as a business leader, um, serving as president or CEO in you know Fortune 10, 30 companies, nonprofits, startups, you name it. And he's helped a ton of frontline workers, managers, executives, people at all levels really unlock their potential and personal uh, and professional growth. Just this past September, he had his new book release, which is really exciting. It's called Be Chief. It's a choice, not a title. And we're going to talk about what being chief is really all about as we uh, connect with Rick in just a few minutes. Um, But this is a new way of thinking about where power comes from, okay? And that's a really important point. So he's going to share a lot of his strategies and experiences to help you understand this way of thinking so that you can get more out of your professional and personal life. Just a couple quick announcements um, I want to share with you guys because there's some exciting stuff going on. So two big things. One, we just released a special edition magazine. It was issue number 20. That's a big one for us, right? It's a milestone. And even more importantly, we released it with two really important exclusive interviews. One is the, the cover story with Jean Alwang. I hope I pronounced that right, Jean Alwang. And she's the president of Virgin Unite, okay? That is a company under Richard Branson's Virgin brand. And they are doing all kinds of projects in the impact business space, whether it's helping entrepreneurs or helping clean the oceans. And so she is leading the charge and has so much experience and knowledge to share about building these. Basically, for her, it's like building small businesses all under the same umbrella, right? Each project is like a business of its own. And so we have a really powerful exclusive interview with Gene. And then we also have an exclusive interview with Richard Branson himself. And we really ask him a few key questions coming from the change creator mindset, you know, things that you know, you would want to know. So this is a great opportunity to really hear what he has to say about the impact business space, overcoming your fears, things like that. So don't miss out on issue 20. Subscribe in the app right now. This is available. I think you guys are going to love it. It's actually one of our biggest additions so far. So lots of good content in there, guys. Uh, The next thing is we're just getting ready. This is right now um, the 18th of October. And on the 20th of October, we're going to be opening the doors for our beta round of a new program called Captivate. What we have found is that so many people are struggling with 
creating new revenue streams, building their audience. It's the whole marketing game, right? And with that being said, we have interviewed, I don't know, over 100, 120 now experts. And as we started looking at and doing an analysis of all these interviews, what we have found is certain trends among people as we talk about marketing and they say the same thing. So there's, there is a common denominator, core principles. So not only do we put together a tool for you guys that's free called marketing secrets, um, you know, 18 marketing secrets from over 100 expert interviews. But when we did that analysis, we found that storytelling is a fundamental part. It is the heart of your marketing. And if you don't have your origin story, your founder story, um, you cannot apply it throughout all the angles of your marketing. And that is really important. So this program, Captivate, we work with several experts. Um, I think we have a team of 10 people altogether, nine or 10 people now. And we put together this program and we're going to help you understand the science behind storytelling so that you can get the most impact. And this is a critical, critical part of succeeding in marketing today when there's so much digital noise. So keep an eye out, check out the Captivate program. All right, guys, let's dive into this conversation with Rick Miller. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Rick, thanks for joining the Change Creator Podcast Show, where we are redefining good business. How are you doing today? Terrific, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Um, Very excited to talk with you. I think, you know, it's interesting. We spoke to someone recently about servant leadership, and you are talking about the power to be chief and what that actually means today. Um, And it really leans into this idea of how the the attitudes and behaviors of people are are transitioning, right? And so I can't wait to kind of tap into this. So if you could just give people a little bit of your background in a nutshell, um, you know, just to ground everybody on, on, on who you are and how you got into this, this mission of talking about this topic. Well, you know, it, it, it's a shorty, but I'll give you it to you from the, uh, an important part of the beginning. Uh, I'm actually the oldest of three boys uh, who uh, was brought up by a guy who worked in personnel, human resources, in a machine tool shop in central Massachusetts. Significant because it was the only non-union machine tool shop in the area. So I grew up at the kitchen table with top discussion about compensation, benefits, things like that. And like a lot of uh, firstborns, I wanted to be like dad. So right. once I found out that people in personnel didn't make a lot of money, I went into business and said, you know what? I could be like dad running things from startups all the way to multinationals. So I've done that over my career, but never lost the idea that uh, the dad taught me, which is this is all about helping people kind of realize their power. And, and this idea of chief, you can be a chief whether you've got the title or you don't have the title. And I've had lots of different experiences in lots of different industries and companies uh, helping people, uh, you know, kind of be better. And, and, uh, and I've been better uh, by, by learning from them. So that's kind of the, the, the short version of something I've been doing now for a lot of years. Okay. And during that experience, has there been any moments where you had a real epiphany that stand out to you? Oh, there's been a bunch. Uh, you know, the one that probably had the biggest effect on my career was when uh, I got out of business school and I started to uh, to try and climb the corporate ladder. When I got out of business school, I wanted to be a chief, but I defined chief at the time as a chief executive officer. So I started working the traditional, you know, move up the ladder, and I was waiting for somebody else to give me the next title bump. And uh, I, you know, tell a story in my TED talk that I was on a, a corporate jet with the CEO of AT and T. And at the time, I was president working for him, 
And I looked across the aisle and I saw a guy and I said, you know what? I'm busting my ass to, to get that guy's job. And I may get it in maybe 10 years, but why do I want to wait anymore? Right? I've been working for 20 years with people who are powerful and, and wonderful leaders. They just don't have the title. So that was one of those epiphany moments there. I said, I don't need to wait for a title to be powerful, to really be the best version of myself. So I actually got off the plane and uh, started a process. And 90 days later, I, I jumped out of a, a corporate job, a big AT&T job, and, and went to run a startup. So that was a kind of an eye opener for me. And uh, thanks for letting me uh, walk down memory lane with that story. <laughs> so you decided that this wasn't for me. I can basically be a leader of my own right now. And you, and you said, I'm going to leave corporate. That's not where I want to be in 10 years because this guy, he ain't, he ain't looking too happy anyway. And well, he wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, and I think you mentioned that in your TED talk. So you start, you went into the startup world, and and why, why, why go into startup world? Well, I, I knew that some of the things that that I had learned that Dad taught me worked pretty well in larger organizations. But I kind of wondered myself, uh, without the safety net, would it work in a startup? So that's exactly where I went to, and and again, worked with some fantastic people and some of the the simple uh, tips and tricks that I learned along the 20 year journey uh, in, in larger organizations work just as well in startups. So those are the things that, uh, that I share now with clients because it doesn't matter what industry, what size of company, some of these things just flat work. And, uh, and that's, that's, you know, what the book is about. That's what the Ted talks about. And that's what you and I are talking about today. Right, right. So you have your book be chief. It's a choice, not a title. And we're going to tap into that in just a little bit. Um, so can you tell me when you did move over, and I think there's a lot of people in our audience who have just started a business, they're looking to, to scale it, or they're in the corporate world and they're very interested because right now they're, they're not feeling like they're doing anything really meaningful. They don't see themselves there in 10 years and they want to start a business. And you know, the biggest barrier is really just getting started. So you right. got started. And once you did, obviously there's fears to overcome, but what might have been a, one of the bigger challenges that you faced when you started in the startup world? Well, I think first off, it was connecting with a whole new workforce, right? When I uh, started uh, in the startup uh, it was a, it's a workforce where I think the average age was about 22, um, and I was uh, much senior to that. And when I walked in the door, I think uh, a lot of the folks in that organization were, were looking at me. The board had brought me in to try and scale it. Uh, they'd done a wonderful job in a short period of time, but, but they were looking for uh, really diversity. We think about diversity in different ways. We think about uh, uh, in classic ways, uh, but, but experiential diversity is pretty important, too. So. To answer your question, to go into there and to build the relationships with a workforce that, that was was uh, was wonderfully uh, interested in, in in growing their market, uh, but showing them that I had something to offer, right? Other than a couple of gray hair, right? <laughs> so that was it. Was really building those relationships, which are always the key. But again, where I was so different than many of the folks that I was had the opportunity to work with, uh, getting their trust, uh, finding ways to. Uh, to deliver what I knew was important, but in ways that they could, they, they could get it. So, so, you know, if I was at AT&T, I, you know, I had a, a meeting where I'd have, you know, sometimes a thousand people and I'd be teleprompters and big screens. And I had messages uh, on important things like values that I wanted to deliver. And I deliver that, you know, w with PowerPoint and blah, blah, blah. Fast forward to the, to the startup. 
we'd work, you know, they'd come in at 10 in the morning, we'd work till 10 at night, and I would deliver a lot of those same kind of messages, but I would do it at the bar at 11 o'clock at night, one-on-one or a small group of people around a table with some some beer and popcorn, Hmm. um, rather than doing it with teleprompters and big screen. So you change your mechanism. Of course, the dress code was a little different too, but, but it's really finding a way to connect with people in their environment with words that they can get around. Um, you know, it, it, that was, that was the challenge, but that was the, the best part of the job. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It is a different culture when you, when you go from corporate to, uh, startup life, that's for sure. Um, and I guess it takes a little bit of just the, the ability to overcome your fear of, you know, doing something different and then uh, a willingness to put in, I guess, the, the time to learn new ways of being, basically, right? Yeah. No, again, you, you bring some, you bring things uh, to any job, but there's an opportunity to learn. Um, I, you know, a lot of we have titles and labels. My favorite one is student teacher uh, because, yeah, I believe I have something to teach. But man, I've got a lot to learn. I've yet to meet anybody that doesn't have something to teach me. So right. I think those are that those are the environments, the startup environments that uh, that were so rich with with people who once they understood that the new guy was just as willing to learn as he was to share. Uh, I think our productivity took off. Yeah, exactly. It's not about an ego trip. And I always say to people that everybody is a student. And everybody is a teacher. We don't all know what everyone knows, right? So we can all help each other out. Um, and so that leads me into, let's, let's start talking about the definition of a chief, right? So you can give a little background on, on that word and how it was traditionally being used um, and then the way you're shaping it now um, and what that means today. So can you just speak to that a little bit? Sure, sure. When I when I got out of uh, business school, you know, there were two chiefs that were in business. You know, it was the chief financial officer uh, and the chief executive officer. They were at the top of the pyramid, and everybody wanted to get there. Well, fast forward uh, today, the word chief is found in business titles all over the place. It's it's basically chief fill in the blank officer. Mm. Uh, you know, we used to hierarchy used to be vice president, senior vice president, executive vice president, president, and then up to CFO, CEO. But now it's, uh, you know, chief tax officer, chief reliance officer. It says chief fill in the blank officer. And, and, and title is important to some people. Frankly, the boomers, I think, are more into, interested in titles than, than the people uh, who are non-boomers in the workforce today. But so the word chief has gotten an awful lot of attention recently because it's, it's everywhere. But people are far, far more focused on the power associated with the word chief. They feel if I have this chief, this chief title, then I've got power. So power uh, has, has been linked by the old guard, frankly, to things like title and position and uh, authority and control. And frankly, some element of, of perceived superiority, right? I am a chief, so it comes up to me to make decisions because I'll make a better decision than you are. That's, that's really old thinking, Adam, really old thinking. The yeah. new thinking about power is where power is all about clarity. Power is all about influence. Power is all about confidence uh, and impact and things like that. And, 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 and so if you think about power in that way, everyone can be powerful. So I use that term about power and I associate power with the word chief. And my point uh, is really you can be chief no matter where you are on the org chart. You've gotta, you gotta choose, you gotta choose to be powerful. Right. Choose the clarity, choose the the uh, uh, the confidence and you can make choices. 
that will increase your power. And then, uh, you know, someday you may have a title of chief if that's really important to you. So when you say you can choose to, you know, be powerful and you can choose these types of things, I mean, that's a um, psychological transition for people. So um, and that's not always an easy bridge to cross. Right. Because it's it's obviously not how they currently think. There's indoctrination and, you know, conditioning from years of this is how it is. This is what you're taught. And now we're saying, well, that's not how it has to be. So there's this change in the way we think about being a leader or a chief um, and what that means. So is there any insight from your end on how like you can start making a change in the way you look at that perception and you perceive these things. So how do you start changing those habits? Well, it's a definition, right? It really is a definition. And then once you define it, you have to take a look at your own choices. So let's just take, take one area. Um, a power has, has long included in its definition, the word energy, right? A power plant, an energy plant. I mean, that's not a, that's not a bridge too far for people to get. Power is about energy, right? So that, that's not hard to understand. The questions that I continue to ask the people that I work with is, you know, well, so how do you build up your energy, right? How, what choices could you make that would bring up your energy, right? And and I link it very much to the topic of, of you know, where does, in, where does energy come from? It comes from inside you, right? I can't say to you, Adam, I want you to be more energetic. You look at me cross-eyed say, Rick, what are you talking about? Energy is going to come from inside Adam, right? So, yeah, there's, there's, there's the basics of sleep and food and and stress management. But frankly, I found in my research that and working with bunches of different people, that energy really comes from something uh, that's, that's far tougher to get to sometimes. And this is the topic of self-understanding or insight. Mm. So if you understand yourself better, right? If you really understand who you are, you have that insight and you build on that insight, then you can become more energetic. And so great example of that is, is uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a meditator. Uh, I think that the, you know when you are still, when you take some time to to kind of uh, get rid of all the voices that are chirping at you from a from a partner to a boss to a to a friend to the media, you know, you can find you can get centered. You can really get centered, and you can find that your vo- voice is the one that you really need to listen to. And the confidence that you get from understanding that voice actually gives you energy. So. So my, my, my point is that in all these areas, whether it be uh, energy or confidence or impact or influence or clarity, the five uh, that I use, there are, there are just – once you assess what choices you're making that they can give you a baseline of how powerful am I, then you can actually make small changes to become more powerful. And this is the, the thing that, that's in the book. And forget the book for a minute. You can go on my website at uh, uh, bchief.com and take a free assessment, mm. right? Free, totally free. And you can actually score how powerful you are. Free, right? Take a score. How powerful am I? And then what choices would I make? What small changes would I make to become more powerful? And those power, again, those those definitions about how to be clear and how to be influential and confident and things like that um, are, are all there to take a look at. So the only thing I want to, point I want to make as well, Adam, is you know people in your life who don't have titles, who are confident, who make an impact on your life, who are energetic, who are influential in your life, who are of clarity. And you know that those people in your life, um, they're a relative, they're a friend, they're a next door neighbor. It has nothing to do with title. 
So I, I, I disagree with you a little bit that, that, that people have to totally be reoriented to a new definition of power. Mm-hmm. It's all around them. It's all around them. We just have to introduce them to something that's staring them right in the face, make them aware of it, and then trust that they'll make whatever choices work for them. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's a great. It's definitely. I like what you said, and I like that you said that um, you have to kind of look at yourself um, and understand yourself better. Um, and once you start doing that, you can start, um, I guess, becoming more powerful and stepping into a role of more confidence. And and I think that all makes a lot of sense. So. Is there anything that you work with people on or or help people with where, you know, you help them learn about themselves? Is there steps that people can take or things they should think about, um, you know, their values? And, you know, I I sometimes talk about self-inventory and and taking steps like that. So is there anything that you do or can share that might help people uh, start stepping into that a little bit? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you one. There are many, right? And I'll give you one that's one of my favorites. And it really goes to the to the core of confidence, and that are that is your values. So one of the things that uh, that I do regularly is is sit down with 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 individuals and say, okay, um, I ask a question. What do you stand for? And they'll look at me kind of cross eyed and they'll say, What do you mean? What do I stand for? I said, Well, you you know, have you ever thought about your values? I said, Yeah. I mean, I you know, and, and I'll, I'll list, and I normally carry around with me a, a list of. Uh, you know, 30 or 40 attributes that everybody would say, oh, yeah, I, I stand for that. And I stand for that. And this is good. And they're all positive attributes. But then I asked the question, I said, OK, um, let's take a look at your compass. If you had to pick four of these values that, that you really feel most most strongly about. Right. These are the ones that at your core, if you only had to pick four of 50 great attributes that you would stand for, what would you pick? And it's a, it's a it's a really important exercise because it really is your north, south, east, and west. And so point one is, okay, so someone goes through the process and says, all right, I stand for these four things. I said, okay, next step, go talk to the five, six, seven, eight people who know you best. And just ask them the question, what do you think I stand for? And so many times what happens is, you know, I'll want to stand for these, you know, four things and I'll ask my eight people and I'll get – you know, 30 different answers, you know, no commonality, you know, some words basically say the same thing, uh, even with different words, but just could, uh, all over the place. And so what that tells the person is whatever they are trying to project in terms of what they stand for is not being received by the people who are closest to them. Right. right? And so I'll, I'll ask the question, how powerful could you be if everybody, maybe they didn't pick the same words, but, but my four, for example, are truth, service, equality, and connection. Mm-hmm. Right? doesn't make me right, but those are my four. And I, you know, I, I, I believe this so strongly. Most people who know me might not hit all four words, but they'll hit two or three of the four, right? They'll hit two or three of the four because I'm consistent in what I talk about, the way I, I live my life, uh, what I write about. I mean, everything is channeled in those areas. And the statement that I, that I use is, once you figure out where you stand, you can take one. And when you take a stand, you're powerful. You're confident. This is really who you are. So we talked about insight earlier on. Once you really understand your values and your insight, then all the choices that you're going to make about careers and everything else, they're grounded in who you are, not who somebody else is. Not because your parent says try this or your spouse says this. They're grounded in you. 
And so that's, you know, that one values exercise of picking the four that matter the most right. and then testing it with people around you, I found to be really empowering for the people who, uh, who want to take a stand. Yeah, I love that. And it sounds like something too, like once you really start exploring those types of things, you can really see, you know, where is the trajectory of my life? Where should it be going? It's, it's almost like a directional cue. No doubt. No doubt. And by the way, you're always adjusting, right? So, so you're going north, but you decide, well, I want to go north, northwest, not north, northeast. You can, you can tune it, right? right. And so you, you can figure out with this, and I do refer to it as a compass, when you make these choices about connecting what you do to who you are, um, you're going to have make choices every day. What do I do here? What do I do there? Now, not all of them are life-altering, but when it comes to the big decisions, if you're making those based on your values and your insight, then the probability of you going in the direction you want to go, not somebody else wants to go, wants you to go, goes way up. Absolutely. And so if you're leaning into who you are, what role does vulnerability play in the direction you're going? Well, vulnerability is huge. I, I, uh, you know, I'm a huge uh, Brene Brown fan and anybody that hasn't read Daring Greatly yet should put that on, put, put that on their list. Uh, and uh, in my book, I, I liberally use a lot of great writers. Uh, uh, it's not my stuff. It's integrating other people's stuff. And Brene's stuff is fantastic. So uh, I'm not going to try and out Brene Brene. <laughs> but the issue is when you when you when you understand that, you know, connecting with other individuals really is about showing your humanness. Right. Everybody, everything that I felt, Adam, you know, you felt uh, the people who are listening to this have all felt the same things. We tend to 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 put across our strength, because we think that's what attracts other people, when in fact, the opposite is just as true. If I show you that I am human, that I struggle with things, that I don't always have the answer, uh, I have certain answers. But this gets to your, uh, you know, the student teacher, player, coach kind of thing, right? Um, it's, the, it's the ability to hold both positions, which is, yes, I've got something I want to share, but I will also share my humanness, my vulnerability which allows you to connect with me, right? The empathy that you may have for me because you can see in me a piece of yourself. That connection allows, you know, just fantastic communication. So yeah, there's, there's all this discussion of power and positivity, um, but vulnerability is very much part of that and allows people to, uh, to grease the skids a little bit as they, you know, send messages to each other. Absolutely. And as more people lean into, you know, understanding themselves, aligning to their values, um, you know, this creates a behavioral change in the work we do. Have you seen um, a difference in the way, you know, businesses are functioning and aligning to values and operating and any, any I guess, you know, new um, approaches to business? Yeah, well, you, you just asked about five questions in one. Uh, so let me let me grab the two that 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 I, I kind of jumped at when I heard them. So it was two in there. One was what happens when one individual kind of becomes more connected to their insight and their values in the workplace. And and one of the things that I have uh, uh, come upon is some great research uh, done out of Yale that talks about. I've used the term viral engagement or or viral power. So in fact, if you and I are working together, Adam, and, and you have come to a different level of understanding of yourself, uh, deeper values, understanding of your values, and you're feeling more powerful, we work together. Guess what? That rubs off on me. 
So, so the amazing thing is that anybody in the workforce, and this is happening in a lot of different places, particularly places that I have the pleasure of working, you know, people are, it's like popcorn, right? So somebody will pop over here and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody starts popping and, and, and it's not something that management is doing. It's not coming from on high. It's what peers are doing to each other. Yeah. So I will share that there's a wonderful uh, kind of explosion of um, in, in the workforce, we talk about employee engagement, right? That's the business term. But frankly, you're engaged when you're doing something that you want to do the way you want to do it when you're more powerful. So so this viral nature, right, um, is, is really something that I've seen a lot of businesses benefit from. That's number one. The other part of your question, which is how is that affecting business leaders? Because I do spend time who, with people who actually do have the chief title. And as they're running their business, and I've seen uh, an evolution, right? I mean, uh, great businesses have always cared about the community, right? So there's been always uh, objectives around let's do great things for our employees and our share owners and our customers and the community. But in the community focus from a value standpoint has been um, let's do a certain number of volunteer hours. uh, Let's donate certain products to certain ways. I mean, it's been kind of a level one kind of community engagement. More recently – uh, the idea of you know do no harm to the environment has come up and things like you know let's make sure that we're not uh, polluting anybody let's make sure that we're so so that bar has been there but the exciting new goal really has come out of the United Nations a couple of years ago they've uh, they've come out with the sustainable development goals yeah. seventeen specific goals that really put uh, very specific markers I mean actually there's 169 targets in the 17 goals but it really goes right to Let's re- let, let's get rid of poverty. Let's get rid of hunger. Let's focus on gender equality. Let's make sure that we have clean air, clean water, clean land. I mean, it's 17 very specific goals. So the exciting part now is that, uh, you know, where these discussions about, hey, what kind of community service should we be doing? And let's have our public relations department manage that program or have human resources manage that program. Now it's coming into the line organization where a chief operating officer will be reviewing how are we doing in all these areas. And and some of the businesses that I had the privilege of working with, they're integrated. They're absolutely integrated so that, you know, they're getting the the big muscle of organizations kind of focused on them. And that doesn't mean just big, big companies. I work with startups as well. Mm -hmm. But the fact that these uh, SDGs, as they're called, 17 of them, are finding their way into the discussion of, of business I just think it's fantastic. It's not the answer, right? We've got, to, we've got to make more progress faster. But these are conversations I can guarantee you were not happening five years ago. So we're going in the right direction. I love that. So I want to also just give a couple minutes here to um, before we wrap up here. And, and, and actually, just to piggyback off what you just said, I, I, I see a lot of the same thing. And there is adoption of these impact models um, being more integrated than just the low level, you know, charity offers and small, small game, as you call it, level one. Um, and I can just see this increasing as, as part of their strategies now and part of their business models, um, you know, which is a really exciting evolution of business. And as we have entrepreneurs getting into the game, they're they're starting with those attentions right out of the gate. And the bigger and more established companies are looking to adopt these models. So really interesting stuff. So I, I think it's right on point. Um, and I, hey, I one just, point, one, one yeah. other quickie, Adam. Yeah, and the reason ahead. it's happening, right? The reason it's happening is because employees are demanding it. Customers are demanding it. Share owners are demanding it. 
So it's not some some philanthropic CEO who says, you know what, I think I'm going to get into SDGs. You know, we get people banging on the doors from inside the company and outside the company saying, you know, if you're not doing this, you need to do it. If you are doing it, we need to do more faster. That's why I'm optimistic. 100%. And the data says that too, especially with these younger generations, anywhere from Gen X to millennial, especially to Gen Z, um, you know, they really believe um, that companies have a moral obligation. And actually, they'll put their more dollars towards the company that is doing and taking those actions, right? So exactly right. Only in the best interest of the company. So that's where that consumer demand really starts to have leverage in how business is actually played. Exactly. Cool. That's a good end note. So let's end there. And um, I want to be respectful of your time um, and we'll wrap up. So I, I, I just want to make sure how, where can people learn more about your book? Um, I think there's just sounds like there's just a ton of good leadership insights, how to really lean into who you are and, and have an effective impact in your life. Um, so, so where can they learn more about that? Well, again, it's the, the, the book is Bchief, B-E-C-H-I-E-F, Bchief.com. You can go to that site. Uh, you, can, uh, you can take this, a free survey there to find out how powerful you are. You can find about the book. You can find out about the, the wonderful charity. Uh, there's a wonderful charity where all author proceeds are being donated. So all nice. this is going to, to special kids uh, uh, at a place called Sammy's House where they focus on the needs of special needs kids and their education. So all proceeds, uh, uh, author proceeds are going there. Uh, so you can find out about all that at bchief.com. Uh, it is about power. It is about the power that we all have. It is about all of us being student teachers and helping us, uh, helping each other uh, as we try and navigate this thing. And uh, I, I'm really happy. I mean, this is this this B Chief book only took me about ten years to put together. Uh, <laughs> it's it's actually the best of what I've ever seen. We integrate a lot of different authors' works. Uh, it's not uh, about what Rick's ideas are. It's how do you integrate. Right. There's a lot of two quick words. There's a supply and apply. There's a large supply of leadership information out there, but there's not a lot of great places to go to find out how to apply it. Right. Yep. So having run startups to multinationals, I really get into the tips, tricks and tools of how do you apply this stuff to make an impact. And again, I'm, I'm hoping the book does well, because that just means that those wonderful kids at, at Sammy's house uh, will will uh, will be well served. So appreciate your ability, your your willingness to give me that little plug. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love what you're doing, and I think it's a it's a great book for people to check out, and it has a, a cause that it's backing. So it's a good story, a good uh, a good a good program. So Rick, thanks a lot for sharing your experience, your expertise, um, and guys, you can also check out his TEDx talk. It's a really great talk. I think you'll find some inspiration in there as well. Um, Rick, we will uh, stay in touch and talk soon. That's all for this episode. Thanks, your next step is to join the Change Creator Revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast.